0: This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street Maidstone. bluebutterfly.co.uk Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.
1: Hello, and thanks for downloading today's podcast. I'm Jamie Long. It's Thursday, August the 26th. And first today, there are calls for local authorities to do more to house more people trying to flee Afghanistan. Maidstone councillor Paul Harper, who used to work in the capital city, Kabul, says the town should help more families trying to escape the Taliban. Jadzia Samuel's been speaking to him.
2: My understanding is that at the present time, the council housing team are looking at private sector placement. But my concern is is uh it's about the timing. You know, we these we are evacuating people currently from Afghanistan and a number of people are obviously already here. Once they've been through 10, 15 days of quarantine or whatever, they'll then be ready to you know to be housed. Um you, you know and as one can imagine these people are going to be incredibly Disorientated. So one would want to get them housed in communities as fast as possible and not have local authorities fluffing around, you know, it needs to be a top priority. and I'm really calling on Maidstone Council to ensure that this is a, a really high priority to actually make sure that we play our role as a as a county town of Kent. And
3: do you have a specific number of how many people you think that uh, Maidstone should be should be housing? Um,
2: well, I know the government's talking of 20,000, but I personally believe that our, our responsibility as a country is probably to factor of five times that. I'd expect you looking at 20,000, if you like, former employees of the UK in one way or another. Then if you have a family, typically, say, four people, you're up to the 100,000 mark. And therefore, I think if you're looking at a town the size of Maidstone, you're looking at quite considerable numbers. You're looking in the hundreds. If not more, if we're to, you know, if people are to be resettled across the UK, towns and, and districts the size of Maidstone need to be um, willing to um, offer accommodation and a new home for large amounts of people.
3: And do you think that the people of Maidstone in general are supportive of this?
2: Well, Maidstone's obviously got a long history as a military town. I mean, we've still got Maidstone Barracks. Uh, and a lot of people who may stand not only in the barracks now, but have been in the armed forces in the past. And I know people who have served out in Afghanistan, uh, you know, and a large number of people in the town and borough have link, have had links in the past with Afghanistan. So I think people would recognise that, you know, there, there are responsibilities and we need to help people who are in it, 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 well, in, in just desperate straits. I mean, it's, well, we've seen it, haven't we? And we all know I mean, I know people from Afghanistan. You just can't put it in words.
1: Well, as the situation in Afghanistan continues, there's a warning even more people will attempt the dangerous journey across the channel to Kent. At the weekend, there was another daily record number of crossings, with 828 people risking their lives in small boats. They'll join other refugees who've travelled here for safety. Ibrahim Awad and his family fled Syria in 2015 and says he's grateful to the UK for helping them. We are originally from from Syria, Damascus, and the situation was really bad regarding schools, shopping, just life in general. We left Syria in 2012. The situation was really bad. No electricity, no gas, very dangerous. My wife was eight months pregnant, so we had to flee and go to Jordan for her safety. We were very welcomed when we arrived in the UK, very welcomed from the council when they received us. We would like to thank our neighbours as well, who are very brilliant and very lovely. From me and all the Syrians who arrived here, we would like to thank the UK. We hope we'll be able to go back to Syria, but we find it very difficult to believe Syria will be like before, but we hope so. Well, meanwhile, the commander in charge of the government's efforts against small boats crossing the English Channel to Kent says he's confident they're stopping more people than ever before. Dan O'Mahony admits it's a complex problem, but says he's working well with authorities in France.
2: We're supporting the French with intelligence we're paying for officers, and those efforts are making a real difference. They've stopped over 10,000 crossings already this year and seized and destroyed over 600 boats. So our joint working is really making a difference.
1: Elsewhere today, latest figures show part of Kent has one of the highest coronavirus infection rates in England. Thanet is 15th in the country, with 458 cases per 100,000 people. Positive tests are rising across most of Kent, but hospitalisations remain steady and deaths are still relatively low. Now, at Kent Online, you can see CCTV footage of a woman coughing over a shop counter near Canterbury after being asked to wear a face mask. She started arguing with a member of staff at Bridgeway stores who told her it was their policy. Police were called after the woman's partner came in and shouted at the worker before throwing things on the floor. The Kent Online podcast with Blue Butterfly, Earl Street Maidstone. A technical glitch means some doctors' surgeries across Kent have been unable to make appointments today. Patients have been told they can't book or go to see their doctor. A problem with the NHS IT system meant staff were unable to access their clinical systems. Next today, a report found Kent's police have made improvements, but more still needs to be done to keep vulnerable children safe. Concerns have been raised about support for those detained in custody and how youngsters involved in domestic abuse investigations are treated. Ishmael's been speaking with Her Majesty's Inspector of Constabulary, Zoe Billingham.
4: So we set out a range of areas where we think that there's still work for the force to do. We've set those out in the report we'd like this, the force to sharpen up on the way that it records quite a lot of the information that its frontline officers are gathering. And then we could be absolutely certain that it's happening in the way that we'd like it. Uh, to see a bit more supervision around some newly qualified officers who, who are new in role and, and that's pretty obvious that we, you know, we, we'd like it to be a supportive supervision, helping officers to learn and develop uh, in their role uh, and we'd like the force to continue to build on the good practice that we've seen elsewhere across the force, making sure uh, that the staff really know and understand the importance of keeping vulnerable people and protecting vulnerable people across the whole of the county.
1: Those findings, the concerns, that they seem, I guess, kind of obvious in the sense, on a face value, I mean, in terms of the measures that should be implemented. You know, poor focus on the voice of a child in domestic abuse investigations, not consistently speaking with them about their worries and their behaviour. Does that not seem like things that should obviously be implemented already?
4: yes we think that we'd like to think that forces were making sure that their frontline officers are trained and are given enough time when they attend domestic abuse incidents to take prompt and appropriate apt action to keep the victim safe and and really importantly children are also victims of domestic abuse the very act of witnessing witnessing domestic abuse between their parents is um is harrowing and traumatic and, and harms children and we would encourage police officers to take those steps to check on the children to talk to them to find out the impact that this is having on them. And what we're finding in Kent is very much a a culture of officers doing that. What we're also seeing is less focus on making sure that that's written down and recorded. And of course, if it's not written down and recorded, you can't build the whole picture of what's happening in the family. So it, it is really important that officers are given the time and space And the the odd reminder from time to time that actually talking to the children is really important. One of the things though, that the force has done and has implemented alongside many other forces that we're really pleased to see is something called Operation Encompass, which is a system that um, means that if if there's a domestic incident in a household, um, the force will notify the child's school the very next morning so that teachers can um, be aware um, but also just look out for that child. You imagine if it's a primary school child and they've been traumatised the n- night before. If if the teacher is aware and they they're not going to make a big fuss and song and dance, but they can just perhaps be a bit a bit, little bit more lenient with the child if they're a bit quiet. Take them to one side. Just check, check on their welfare, make a bit of a fuss of them. We think that that's a really, really good piece of work by the force to actually have implemented that um, and to make sure that, you know, children are looked after in that way. So there's goods and goods and bads in this report. There's the goods that, you know, the force has listened to what we said, has put, put in place structures and process. There's still things that the, the force needs to do to continue to improve.
1: A man's been taken to hospital following a crash in Tunbridge. Two cars collided and one of them overturned on Pembury Way between the A21 and A26 in the early hours of this morning. The road was closed for about four hours. Now, parents in Kent are being encouraged to regularly test their children for coronavirus before they head back to school. Most students will return to the classroom next week after the summer break. I've been speaking to TV's Dr Ran, who's from Medway, about the measures being put in place.
0: I think lots of kids and young people will be excited about going back to school, quite rightly. Um, Things are going to be slightly different, though, this September. There will be less restrictions and there will be more freedom to interact with others However, there will still be certain behaviors that are encouraged. So hand washing is still really, really important. There will be ventilation or uh, increased ventilation of educational spaces. Um, There will be enhanced cleaning regimes, which a lot of places will already have had. And we are recommending testing for certain groups. So all staff should be tested regularly and secondary and college uh, age pupils should be testing regularly. Now, um, Some schools and educational settings may choose to put extra measures in place as well and if you want to find out what's going on, just contact your school or college and ask them what they're going to be doing and what sort of mitigations they're going
1: to be putting in place. And how important uh, is testing as, as schools head back in September?
0: Testing is hugely important. So if you've got symptoms, you need to be getting a PCR test and isolating in the meantime. If you don't have symptoms, then you do a rapid or a lateral flow test. The recommendation is that all staff, secondary school and college pupils do two tests when they first start back at school, and then they test twice weekly after that. And that's going to be reviewed in a short space of time to decide whether that's going to continue. It's really easy to do those tests. A lot of people are already very, very uh, used to getting that. And if you get a positive result, you should be isolating and then getting a PCR test. And obviously, um, if you've got a pos- positive PCR test, you need to be isolating anyway for the recommended period of time and informing your contacts as well.
1: And 16, 17 year olds and some uh, young peoples as well in the eligible groups gonna be offered the vaccine as well. I suppose it's important that they take, take up that offer.
0: One of the big things that's changed this time round is that our vaccination effort has been really successful and it's working. All adults will be offered two doses of the vaccine by middle of September. Uh, We are definitely recommending it to vulnerable young people or young people who are in contact with vulnerable people from the ages of 12 to 15. And also 16 and 17 year olds are being advised to get one dose, ideally before they go back in September if they can. These are measures that are all put in place to try and protect people as much as possible. We know that if everyone does their bit and enough people are vaccinated, we can drive down rates of coronavirus and make it safer for everyone.
1: Next, people at Reading and Leeds festivals this weekend will be able to get their coronavirus vaccine at pop-up clinics. 4,700 COVID-19 cases have been linked to the Boardmasters Festival in Cornwall earlier this month. Ollie's been chatting with Jill T, the co-founder of the Black Deer Festival in Tunbridge Wells, which has been pushed back until next year. She says cases at big events are inevitable.
3: I kind of think it was bound to happen, you know? COVID is around us. We've all accepted that that's the way way it is. People are now getting all of their vaccinations, double vaccinations, still getting COVID. You know, I know people myself who've been double vaccinated who've who've had COVID again or had COVID. And um, I think that it's really, we're gonna have to live with it. I don't think there's anything else we can do do about it. It would be like, you know, I, was trying, I, was, I was having to think about this, and I was thinking it would be like if you tested you know take latitude as it's up forty five thousand people if you tested forty five thousand people ordinarily at a festival, I'm sure there'd be a thousand people got flu or a number of people that had a virus of some kind. It's kind of like people are not you know you know being hospitalized so much, so the pressure's off on that. So kind of, I'm, I'm just a bit philosophical about it now. I feel that life needs to go on and we are going to get um, cases of COVID. And unfortunately, you know, not all of them are going to be that, that sort of easy to get over, but it, it feels like there's nothing more we can do to prevent it. There's nothing else you can do if you're running festivals, you're running them at capacity. If you're running sporting events, you're running them at capacity. I don't think you're ever going to be able to be clear of it, of, of any viruses.
0: It's interesting what you say, because the way it's been reported by a lot of media outlets is it that this news that, you know, 40 to 45,000 people went to latitude, but a 1,000 cases are linked to it. It's kind of being treated as a sort of disaster of the government's government's own events. Do, do you not see it as that then? Do you just see it as an inevitability if you're going to be
3: running big festivals? Black Deer... <laughs> we couldn't have been safer when we put black deer together and we wasn't allowed to do it if you you know, I don't know if you remember it was you know four weeks <laughs> we we wasn't you know they pulled the plug on that and for the numbers that we had and we was a very safe environment with a lot of space around us how many people uh, would have had covid as a result of that i've got no idea latitude 45000 people all very close proximity together I'm not there to judge. I'm there to, you know, with my practical head on, I'm thinking life does need to go on and continue and we are going to have to live with it.
1: Now there are rumours Ikea could soon open its first site in Kent. The Swedish companies understood to have signed a deal for the former Little Brick power station in Dartford next to the Amazon warehouse. It's not yet known if it will be an Ikea store or distribution centre. Well, that's all for today's podcast. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to the IM News app to get access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk.
0: News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street Maidstone. Blue Butterfly.co.uk.